Hello. All right. I've got Palin and Chains. Are you with us? Not yet. Um, James, are you on? Yes. All right. We're at we're at the distance, so we'll try to be quiet for your responses. You sound like you're in a. Do what? You sound like you're in a sawmill or something. Yeah. Hey, Alan, are you driving? Yeah. Just a second. Let me see if pulling over helps. Okay. Once, you know, I find a wide spot in the road to pull over in. All right. You don't need a wide spot in the road to pull over. Just stop in the middle of it. There yeah, pretty much. Just getting rear-ended at 55 is fun. Get your point across. <laughs> there you go. I had All my right. blinkers on. I don't know what you're whining about. Well, there we go. It's the the background noise go, has gone down a little bit. So, uh, hello everyone. We're doing a different, a little bit different for us. Uh, we're doing kind of a panel. We asked everyone for um, a uh, questions and answers this last week on our Facebook page. And thank you to those of you who responded in and uh, actually posted some questions. Um, I know we would have loved to have had many more than we got, but we do appreciate you who took the time to uh, jot down a couple of thoughts for us. So um, so tonight we have one of our uh, northern region investigators joining us, Talon, um, and he's going to help us with the panel. So what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and uh, read off the questions you guys have and then a couple others that... Uh, chains brainstormed on just kind of as uh, additional follow up, and uh, hopefully, hopefully it'll be enlightening. Hopefully, it'll uh, help you guys uh, to understand the world around us a little bit more. Um, so, the first question that was submitted to us was, um, "All right, what is the number of people that are brought into human trafficking in the United States on any given day?" Um, as of right now, the official reported statistics. So there you go, James. You don't. You can't take my head off now. Uh, the official reported statistics are that 29 million people are globally um, enslaved to human trafficking as of 2017. Now here's the big thing, guys. Human trafficking is a one of the hardest, if not the hardest, criminal enterprise to put any type of number on, to put any type of statistics on it. And if you go to the uh, Department of Justice or the Department of State's websites, you'll see that they, they put that disclaimer out there that their statistics are not to be considered 100% accurate because of the fact that um, you just there's just no way to prove exactly how many are out there. Um, and it's not something that you can put into a model or anything else to get accurate statistics. So what is, what is believed is that out of that number, on any given day in the United States, there are anywhere from 1,200 to 2,500 new victims of human trafficking brought into the country. Um, 
that's that's a rough estimate that that is you understand that this takes and does the the mean the average out of every city every huge city every major travel route airport in the u.s so it is not an accurate statistic but that is the best that is available right now um talon you got comments yeah just not really on not on that okay chains i always have comments you know that yeah fire away (laughs) Uh, the, the biggest thing is just that nobody can pinpoint exactly what's going on because you're working off of just what is reported. Um, and, and maybe, maybe only 60% is actually being reported. Right. You know, right. this is, this isn't counting, you know, and, and are they trying to lump in sex trafficking, human trafficking, or, or, I mean, sex trafficking and labor trafficking? I mean, where where are they drawing the lines to get their statistics? Blah, right, because you have bleed over with all of it. At, and this statistic was allegedly just strictly dealing with uh, uh, victims of sexual exploitation. And this that statistic actually came from a joint compilation between the Department of Justice, the Department of State, the FBI, and a um, and a not for, and an international not for profit. Um, I believe they were. Uh, oh, now of course the name would be skipping me. Um, uh, Freedom for all, I believe, is what they're called. F F four A. They're they're one of those that deals with uh, slavery and and forced labor and and all the other social injustices. But it was a joint statistic operation by them and our uh, three agencies that deal with that crime specifically. Well, you also have to take into consideration is a lot of these statistics are not counting the uh, missing endangered people either. No, not at all. Not That's at all. Statistics. Yeah. And so basically, those numbers are just the minimum that those are the minimum numbers that are based on what we ca- what we have counted. Exactly. So, kind of baseline, yeah. So right. it's no lower than those numbers and probably significantly higher. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the thing to think about is you can, you know, there, there will be a lot of, and I don't, I don't want to go bashing anybody off the bat cause I'm sure we'll do plenty of that as we go on, but um, you know, get used to it. It's just part of what we do guys. Cause we are also a watchdog for those who are also in this fight, but um that number can seem very low compared to what you're told um, by other individuals who are out there engaged in this fight or other uh, law enforcement agencies or task forces. Um, or the one that there's more people trafficked in the state than what is actually the population of the state. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But uh, remember that you're talking every 24 hours, you know, at a very minimum, at a very minimum baseline of what's reported, you're talking 1200 people. That's the size of most small towns. You know, that's, that's a pretty average small town USA size. Um, for the whole population to just be rounded up and shipped to various parts of the U S. Um, but at the same time, not to blow those types of statistics out of proportion, you're, you got to remember that some of these, um, are, are shipped in and out and moved across lines frequently. So it may be the same individual being counted 
four or five times as they're shipped uh, on the trafficking routes and on the uh, on the uh, demand routes. So and and the biggest way to tell that is it or one of the other ways to tell that is like the all the back page thing where there'd be you know there could be five hundred ads, but there's only twenty people. Right. Right. So but people say, well, I saw five hundred ads, so that's how many have to be there. Right. Exactly. So. Uh, before I move on, anything else to add, commentate? Um, what was that question again? <laughs> um, the yeah, number like of people. Not a, I mean, there's really not a, a given number that I know of. I mean, not that, not that you could honestly sit there and say, this is what it is. Right. And I guess baseline, as far as as far as we in the Crusader Foundation talk about it, to our investigators and to our field operators, it's there's a lot more than you know about coming in, but it's a lot less than the alarmists want you to believe. Right. You know, and, and part of the thing is we tend not to throw out statistics a lot because we, every t- because we try to be honest about it. We tend, when we throw out statistics, to have to make your big log spiel about how this isn't the complete picture every time. And that's why we don't do a lot of the number throwing that a lot of other orgs do is because we don't want to be those alarmists always crying wolf. And yet we don't want to be, oh, there's not actually a problem. Well said, Talon. That's <laughs> nail on the head there. Um, okay, second question. Are guys or girls trafficked more often? Um, is there a is there a ratio? Um, short answer: Yes, uh, and it's a disturbing short answer because um, traditionally, and and I'm gonna try to be as careful as I can here to not not seem insensitive because this is the one subject I will actually be politically correct on because I really don't want to say anything disrespectful about a victim. But traditionally, we we understand that sexual crimes are the strong over the weak. We understand that they are primarily crimes against females, or they have been historically. Um, That's all out the window. Um, I believe in 2007 is the last official statistic that was produced about this ratio, and it was produced by the FBI. Um, And at that time, it was one in five. So every five, every five females that were involved in sexual exploitation, human trafficking, there was one male. Um, we know that that number is much, much smaller. And although there's been no official statistic released, um, our, our contact in, in the Department of Homeland Security put that at a little bit about uh, between one in, one in three, right about one in three, or possibly one in two and a half. Um, as far as males go that are being trafficked. So the demand has definitely gotten much more twisted, much more um, debauched. And reality is that those male victims, if you're talking about a male victim, you're talking about a child um, about 99% of the time. Yes, there are some male victims who are older, but you're really talking about the rise of pedophilia at this point. It's not even a human trafficking thing. Um, that's, that's a statistic that is incorrectly lumped under human trafficking because it's just straight and straight pedophilia. Well, uh, 
there you're back at a fine line though of are we talking labor trafficking or sex trafficking well the, this the, well the one that i found was specifically again i just all the stats that i have were specifically sex trafficking so i mean and and who knows you know you know as well as i do that that crosses the line and because they're using the definition of force fraud and coercion it's going to possibly goes every which way yeah exactly exactly so um, I mean, That's way out, right, right. And talent, I know it varies by region, but you know, even with the missing and endangered that you see in your region, I, I know we've seen an increase in males, especially in the adolescent years. I don't know about you, what you've seen in your region. Yeah, it does seem to be at least missing and endangered. There does seem to be a tendency for more. I've been seeing more young men. Mm-hmm. like lower lower to mid-teens, but that's all the information I have is by my personal what I've seen. Right. I don't have statistics or anything official on it. <laughs> Which, go, going back to your original statement there, on, on as far as statistics go, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a scary increase in chains. I know that you you've probably seen the uh <laughs> you've got a much better perspective on that particular element especially given all of the um uh what do, what do we want to call it all of the flack that we caught in the out making sure that they realized that males were also victims yeah yeah um, <laughs> yeah that's a polite way of putting it flack we caught <laughs> Well, no, go go into that a little bit because I think I th- our listeners need to know about how much of a struggle that's been getting getting people on on our side of the fight to recognize males as being an increasing at risk victim status. Well, I mean, we were having uh, and we were having toe to toe arguments with you know the, the state attorneys and and the the heads of the of some of the organizations that were out there, you know, some of the task forces, you know, uh, they would not accept the fact that this happens. You know, to yeah. them it was it doesn't happen enough to really matter. That was yeah. How they act was you know well it's only happening to one or two instead of five or ten. Uh, Basically, it was kicked under the rug, you know. Yeah, and we had to. We did a lot of kicking and scratching ourselves to try to prove our point. Yeah, and uh, you know, yeah, we got uh, a lot of hell, and we got blackballed in a lot of places. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, the the funny part is when all the dust. You know, I I, I warned everybody about all the smoke and mirrors that was out there, and. You know, by the time all the dust cleared, you know, we saw who was standing. Yeah. And, and, and too, just to add into that, the, um, one of the biggest things, and you'll see this, if, if any of you go and try to find reports or statistics after listening to this about the, the boys, the lost boys of human trafficking, there's two things you're going to find. One is going to be the, shame element because males 
I mean, we're just not victims. Uh, the, the statistics are much, much higher than anyone is willing to admit of, of, of males and boys and, and, and even some men who've been sexually abused. Um, but we're men. That doesn't happen to us. So we don't tell anyone. We bury it deep and we try to move on with our lives. So you'll find there is a lot of that that goes on, um, especially with, with young boys, um, where it's instances of pedophilia that, that technically could qualify as human trafficking. Um, and yet they're just never reported because as they grow up, that's just not something that, that, that happens to a man. Um, well, so the ego is a very, very fragile thing. It is. It is. And this is coming from men. <laughs> Talon, Talon, back me up on this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, yeah, and given what we've been hearing recently about, like, all of the unreported, the, I don't the, like, Me Too movement where they're talking about, like, you know, 90% or whatever, again, right. with the statistics of sex crimes going unreported, it's going to be significantly higher with males just because of what you were saying. With As a male, I can attest to the fact that as males, we have issues with pride and we have issues with <laughs> wanting to show anybody else that we have problems. Yeah. And so even more so in this case, in sexual trafficking and that kind of stuff, it's going to be even more of a hindrance and even harder to get any good data on this point. Yeah. Well, there was a situation that actually a chains was assisting with um, finding a safe house. There was a, in, in one of the cities nearby where I work, um, there was a male who was claiming to be a victim of human trafficking where he had been assaulted and uh, restrained, imprisoned in a house. Um, long story short, uh, we, got a, say, we got a facility set up where he could go and, um, and, and, and get help, and uh, he backed out at the last second. Um, largely, um, basically, his, his statement was just that, you know, I'll deal with this myself. Um, you know, there was, there was drugs involved as well, so there was elements of that, but, um, you know, there's that's never been a case where that's not the case, you know, where, where drugs are involved. But he just... It was that whole thing of he was a guy and he just couldn't come to grips with the fact that this had happened to him. Um, right. You know, and, and the second thing you're going to find in chains, this is something that's in some of the areas that you work probably even more than, than where myself or Talon works. Um, there's a lot, you'll see a large correlation between the abuse of young boys, males, and ritualistic or satanic activity. It's a large part of, of those types of uh, cults um, have that type of abuse. Why do you always point out about my experience and my being around this stuff? <laughs> because you have so much more of it than the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> what he said. <laughs> Oh, I've just seen a lot of shit, that's all. Yeah. Um, well, as one of the founders, as one of the founders, it was, you've, you've got a lot more experience to add. 
Yeah, that's one way to look at it. <laughs> okay, so anyway, let's uh, let's lead on to the rest of that three-part question that 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 he had. Okay. Um, what is the average age range for people that are trapped? Um, the short answer there is you can't really come up with a hard answer. There's traffic victims all the way from senior citizens down to infants. There's just um, no way that you could honestly put a number or a statistic on that one. Um, reality is, though, that there is an increasing and alarming movement towards the younger. Um, so while everyone is a potential victim and everyone could become a victim because just overall sickness and depravity of man, um, there has been an alarming movement towards the very young. And we're talking uh, two to five year olds. And that's being generous. Yeah, it, it's been getting more and more aimed at infants. Yes. Yes. And and that's hard for some people to hear. I, I mean. Talon, I don't know how many opportunities you've had for, you know, going into the awareness side with people because that's, you know, but just even talking about the fact that your infant is a, is a target for human trafficking anymore. That's, that's a hard sell. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, it makes people uncomfortable because (laughs) they don't want to face. It's hard for us to face how bad humans are and how, evil people can be right so we tend to kind of block off those parts because for us it's unimaginably horrific right so we tend to because it's unimaginably horrific we don't imagine it because it's painful but (laughs) yeah it's true that as long as there is sickness and depravity the age range is going to be widely wide and varied because like you were saying, it's about power over the weak. It's about showing your dominance and that's what it all is about. And as long as people want power over others, there's going to be a wide berth of what they're willing to do to get it. Yeah, absolutely. And I know chains, you're uh one of the stories that you've elected or not stories, one of the cases rather that you've elected to, to allow to be released about the time where you and uh, trooper um, were receiving information about uh, an infant who was being molested, you know, so, so this, this isn't as far as that goes, as far as situations that we've dealt with, it's it's real. It's not a statistic. This was an actual case that was worked by Chains and Trooper. And uh, yeah, I mean, do you want to elaborate on that at all? Well, it was, uh, if I can remember back that far, <laughs> it uh, it was it was actually brought to our attention by another NGO. Mm-hmm. We didn't quite know how to handle it, uh, but they wouldn't actually give up all the information so something could be done either uh, yeah that's that's the other half of this bad person that was perpetrating the crime. 
Um, but what it was was it was a, a, a baby, basically, that was being molested by, if I remember right, it was a boyfriend or a stepdad or something to that effect. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, ended up that, I mean, a horrible, horrible situation was going on. You know, um, yeah, we were chomping at the bit ready to drive 400 miles up into another state. Stomp a muddle. Yep. You know. um, yep. But the, the uh, problem was, is, uh, this was going on, and uh, the the organization wouldn't give us enough details for us to take action. Yeah. And come to find out that, it, and, and it's horrible because we still don't, I'll be honest, we don't have a clue of what actually happened with this baby other than the baby was to the guy that was perpetrating the crime. Yeah. Yep. So. But yes, it um, was, I mean, I guess the molestation had been going on for quite a while. Yeah. And and the terrible thing about it, just the the dark reality of it, I guess that that we have to grapple with, um, especially for those types of rescues, is that infant has no way to ask for help. Right. There's there's no way that they can reach out to anyone for any kind of help. They're voiceless. The only way that they're going to get any kind of 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 um, rescue is if someone else around that child recognizes the signs of what's going on and reaches out for them. This is why awareness is so vitally important. Important. Yeah, and I think if I remember correctly, we have a question about that later on that we'll dig into that a little deeper about the awareness part and what to look for and just what to be aware of. Yes, yep. Um, and I guess moving on, if there's nothing further to add on that, um, our next question was, how can you convince the well-meaning people to not support fake anti-traffickers or anti-trafficking organizations? So that's a, that's a can of worms right there. Uh, uh, (laughs) Chains, you want to start with that? No, indeed. No, I can start it? Okay. You don't need me to start on it because I'll go on one of my tirades. Okay. Um, uh, (laughs) Okay. Um, If you've been a follower of the Crusader Foundation's podcast for any length of time or our Facebook page in any capacity, you will know by now exactly what we think of any organization that is allegedly fighting human trafficking, but ends up uh, either secondhand pimping their victims, be it willfully um, or unknowingly, unwittingly, um, or uh, any organization that is in this fight for any wrong reason. Um, If you guys have listened to us, we will rip into anybody out there about it. And you understand it's because we are all absolutely passionate about this. We are passionate about the victims. We are passionate about getting them help. We are passionate about ending 
human trafficking once and for all. So please, please understand our uh, rabidness and our take no prisoners aspect. But that said, there are a lot of well-meaning people out there, a lot of people who have hearts of gold who just don't know. And, and there's, there's no crime in knowing. There's a crime in staying ignorant. Um, in these types of situations, I guess there's a... Huh? That was very good. Well, thank you. It's, uh, I don't think it's original to me. I think I read it somewhere. I don't know where. But um, the, ultimately, you know, it's one of these things where it's twofold. One, you can listen to us. You can listen to other groups that you follow and have vetted. Um, and you can hear our recommendations, but you also, you're going to have to do research for yourself before you throw your money, your resources, your time at any organization. It's just the, the hard reality is that we live in a world of instant information. We live in a world of nonstop advertisement. And so it becomes very, very, very difficult to separate what's real and what's not. Um, because reality is with this, nothing is ever as seen on TV. Um, we just, you just don't have that within the counter human trafficking, uh, NGOs. So the best way that we can encourage, cause there's no way we're going to be able to prevent. I mean, if we could, we would, um, that's just how rapidly passionate we are about this, but there's no way for us to go out and physically stop well-meaning people from making stupid choices and, and backing, um, backing fake or fraudulent organizations or ones that are, are re-victimizing. But ultimately, our recommendations would be, you've heard our other stuff about what to look for with secondhand pimping. You've heard about um, our issues with people asking money. Why, why we have such an issue with that? Um, but I really, uh, prior to this, we were talking uh, as, a, as a team about the panel and Talon actually had a couple of good points on this as far as um, helping people to know what to do um, to get involved, because we can tell you what not to do, what, what to look for that is uh, wrong, but we should, I mean, we can also give you a couple of ideas of things to know for what's right. Um, but ultimately, just I guess to stick with the question before we go off into that tangent there, um, well-meaning people need to be smart. There's no excuse for stupidity, not in this. Um, just because you have a, a feeling about this stuff doesn't make you exempt from your actions. So you're going to have to take some responsibility. You're going to have to take some personal time and actually look into each organization, each um, group that's asking for your help, for your time or your money. And, and you're going to need to put them through a little bit of scrutiny. Um, always don't be afraid to ask the hard questions. Reach out to the people in charge. If they're, if they're a legit organization, even if they do things that we don't agree with, that we, we at Crusaders don't agree with, which there are, there are some very solid, very hardworking individuals that don't follow everything we say. And, you know, more power to them. We don't expect everybody to. Um, but ultimately, if they're, if they're above board, they're going to be willing to address your concerns and talk to you and be, and be transparent with you. 
And then also we at the Crusader Foundation, we do offer where you guys can reach out to us. We'd be more than happy to help you in any way we can um, offer our recommendations, take them or leave them. Um, and we're, we'd be more than happy to help you get, get some, uh, get some action to, to your, to your feelings, to your uh, desire to get involved. Um, so Talon, I'm going to turn it over, I guess, to you then just down the line and uh, go into, I guess, a little bit about what we were talking about before. Okay. So basically, so the question is how can you convince the well-meaning people not to support fake anti-traffickers or right. how to, and then again, there's another question later on about how to spot a fake NGO or same basic idea. But basically what we were talking about is it boils down to just, you actually have to go out there and do your own homework because mm-hmm. we can make recommendations. And I was hoping we could probably do that at the end where I was talking about what to do, <laughs> trying to give like basic, just some steps to go do. But so we can make some suggestions about orgs to look at, but in the end it is going to be your it, it, it does have to fall down to you to actually get off your butt and go and look this place up to see if they're – what are they actually about? Mm-hmm. Are they about helping victims or are they about making money and just predominance of the evidence kind of? Yeah. Is most of their posts about please give us more money because we're trying to help victims or is it actually about we're trying to help victims? Mm-hmm. This is vi- a victim we're helping. This is a way to look for victims. What – what are they doing? Yeah. Is most of what they're doing throwing parties and doing fundraisers? (laughs) Is most of what they're doing actually helping victims? Mm -hmm. That's that's basically what it boils down to. Is look at what they do. Don't look at what they say. Look at what they do. Look at what what they're focused on Mm -hmm. and what they're actually out there doing so you can kind of spot the good ones by what are they doing are they always just out there showing who they know or are they out there helping people Mm -hmm. yeah chains i'm sure i i can feel you itching to weigh in on this one okay (laughs) well you know you you it all falls on you. It's your responsibility to find out. I mean, mm-hmm. you were in school, they put the books in front of you. you. You did what you, you know, you learned from it. You know, it's that thing of, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. We can, we can guide people in certain directions. You know, uh, everyone knows how adamant we are about these people that are some of these organizations that are, that have completely lost their way. Mm-hmm. but also us for instance we don't go patting ourselves on the back about everything we've done people won't see the things that we've done um, and there's Never. a few organizations that are that way they don't you know they're not the ones to sit there and pat themselves on the back they're not grandstanding all the time mm-hmm um, and, and that's the way I look at it. The people that are out there grandstanding, they're trying to bring the attention to themselves because they don't do anything else. Right. Um, you get a lot of these organizations that all they are are social clubs and little cliques. 
Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's that way. I mean, it is completely that way. Uh, and I'm trying to be, not be my usual self about this because normally I'm going off the freaking deep end. Um, but like I said, there there's several organizations. It's sure we would love to re, we'd love to get help from from anyone that wants to help. But you have to look at the people, the the organization. Instead of wanting in your pocketbook, they want your time. They, they want your they want your manpower. They want your whatever you can bring to the table that isn't coming out of your wallet. Those mm-hmm. are the ones really because you know that those are the ones that are coming out they're they're coming at it with a truly heartfelt message. You know, they're mm-hmm. doing it that's what they're that's what they're guided to do. You know, that's, you know, I always say that the reason we were here is because, you know, we were put here for that exact reason. It doesn't matter what we did in our past. It's, we were all kind of thrown into this because we had that same desire. Mm -hmm. And the desire wasn't for us to succeed as as an actual entity. It was for us to succeed in our mission. Mm-hmm. and you'll see a lot of them that that's where you're at it's like we can't continue our mission unless we get this from you you know you'll you'll get the ones and as you always say you know they'll start playing the sarah mclaughlin song you know? <laughs> feel guilty, you know we don't want you to feel guilty we want you to feel guilty because you're not taking action it's not that you're not handing us money because we continue our fight we want it to be that you know what's stopping you from from going and talking to your neighbor what's stopping you from talking to the people you're at church with you know the next time you're at a pta meeting you know say what can we do to help protect our kids mm-hmm. you know, don't argue about the cookies at the bake sale you know Argue about, hey, what about the guy we saw that was hanging around here that everybody just kind of blew off? Bring up those things, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, I just I go on on tirades about this stuff, so I got to stop. <laughs> no, it's all right. Good. So, so basically, it boils down to look for for groups that are trying to equip you to do things that are not just trying to get you to pay them to do things. And like I like we mentioned, we'll hopefully we can give you we can point you in the right direction and give you some of point you to some of the organizations that we know of that are actually doing things. <clears throat> but in the end, it does fall on your shoulders because, like we also mentioned, there are those who have lost their way, who we used to work with, and who we used to like even recommend helping, and then they <laughs> got distracted. So you yes. gotta. So that's part of the reason we are so careful about not saying, well, this is the org you guys need to go work for. Well, and, and you know, you do get the ones, are you guys still there? Yeah, I'm still there. I sound like phone cut out. Anyway, um, but you'll also get the ones that are working so much for celebrity status. You know? Yeah. Or they'll, they'll get a celebrity spokesperson, you know, and once again, it's like anything. Watch who's out there conning you. Mm-hmm. Because 
no matter what it is, it, there, there's, there's a con artist behind every door. Yeah. You know, and, yep. and granted, we're the same way. We want to con you into, into, into giving of yourself to, to do this. You know, that's what we want to con you out of. You know, we want to con you out of your time to put forth the effort to try to at least talk to a neighbor, talk to whoever. Mm-hmm. Take action. That's the only thing we really want to con you out of is, is for you to take action. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that was a that was a good point that you made, Talon, just about the whole um, area where where it's hard for us to recommend uh, because we have seen so many lose their way, and it I know it breaks I know it breaks my heart just because you see so much potential go to waste. Um, especially with the energy and effort that you put into making them succeed in the first place. So, um, all right. Uh, next question. What does the small town victim look like? I think what was being asked was what does the victim from small town USA? I mean, what, how do you recognize those victims? Um, look at your look at the person standing next to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at your sister. Look at your cousin. Look at your your best friend's sister or cousin. I mean, anyone can be a victim. Yeah. And and, and reality is, it's not just small town. Um, anywhere that that can be considered home. See, the problem is and. I will, I promise I'm not going to be too long on this. Um, the problem is that for a lot of, of the human trafficking information that's out there, it comes from perspective of overseas. Um, even with the attention that's being given to what's going on within our own country, um, you still get a lot of the information about human trafficking uh, situations coming from overseas information. Um, so that, that winds up getting everybody's perspective and everybody's, uh, idea of what to look for. It winds up being off base, off kilter compared to what you're actually going to run into. You know, people either have that, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to say it, they've got the taken outlook where they're looking for that worst case scenario. Um, or they're looking for, you know, like the immigrants, the Chinese or the, uh, you know, the, the Mexicans or whatever else that are being, move through and trafficked in these, in these scenarios. Um, reality is long-term, not long-term, but the reality is just plain and simple that, um, in these, in, in human trafficking in the United States, especially in smaller town places, um, the, uh, victims can be the person who, goes to the game with you. They can be the person who is at your church. Right. And, and that's what um, Chains was talking about was that it's not always the person you see in the TV show where they're physically beat down, probably kept in a basement somewhere. Right. It's, 
it's it can be your right next door neighbor the your best friend's daughter it could be it could be anyone but i think what part of what the question was about is what are so based on the fact that now we've cleared up that it could be anyone what are things you can look for to try to notice because yeah part of it is yeah so practical purposes what are signs what are things you can look for that would be able to distinguish or at least give you an idea because just saying it could be anyone means it could be everyone means nothing exactly exactly and here's here's the thing um looking at that perspective um you're not going to see necessarily all of the uh, signs that, that even Homeland Security puts out to recognize human trafficking victims because they're it's most likely in small town USA, it's not commercialized. Um, I'll be honest, small town USA human trafficking is the hardest to investigate because they're usually tight knit circles that do not have that commercialization where outsiders can just come in and, and purchase. Um, so you're looking at scenarios where often it's a family, uh, where right. there's family a- aspects to it. Um, and that family attribute just makes it that much harder and that much uh, worse, I suppose you could say, to investigate. Um, and, you know, it's just I, I it's so varied because depending on um like for instance there was a deal where a little um i say a little girl she was about 14 years old um and her uncle who was her legal guardian because there was a broken family uh wound up selling her to some of his buddies um he kept her at his house and it was just the one girl and you know, you had, um, you really had no outside way of infiltrating that circle because they knew everybody in it. Right. Um, so the way that we wound up eventually getting in um, was waiting until they were all there over at the house because he would change, he would change times. So we just sat surveillance until, uh, until it wound up where we saw the, the group gathering and uh, went in and, and did the raid and social services got involved and, and people went to jail. But, you know, it was just one of those things. It was not, it was not the traditional investigative method for that. Right. So a lot of times you won't be able to see it just as an outsider walking by. Right. What you might be able to is like you're, if you educate those around you, maybe your daughter goes to school with their with the right. girl and they talk because girls talk yeah. i've heard <laughs> <laughs> anyway it's a thing. So just, yeah yeah so just a lot of it has to do with just being aware that there's a problem and one of the other questions was what do you do with what you hear kind of yeah or if you have a suspicion that kind of stuff yeah 
Well, and the thing is, you I mean, okay, so we're talking again, small town USA. You look around, um, and you're the signs can be there. They're just going to be a lot more subtle. Like instance, is there additional security measures on the house? Is she not allowed to go to parties? Um, do you see her with physical signs of abuse, you know, bruising on the arms, legs, uh, you know, does she wear her hair in such a way as to hide, um, these signs of abuse? Um, does she, you know, does she remove herself from social settings? Um, does she seem afraid of opening up at all? Because again, we, you know, like you said, girls talk. There's a level of um, openness there, you know, even though if it's not just everything all at once, um, you know, is is she controlled her movements to and from school? Is there like always a family member that she seems to be very uncomfortable with that's there picking her up? Um, you know, is there, is there just, you know, if you're around them enough and be at church school or social settings of any kind, and you see that one girl who there's just always like a figure that's with her watching her, she's always got the shadow. Exactly. Exactly. And in those cases, you can start to, to see those patterns and you can make uh, very good deductive reasoning. Uh, uh, I don't want to say guesses, um, a lot of it has to do with just awareness. Right, right. A lot, of it, a lot of it is intuitive, and you'll naturally notice it if you're paying attention. Yes. Kind of like, like driving. You will pick up a lot. You don't read a lot of the signs as you're driving by, but you right. recognize them for what they are, and if you need information from them, you'll look. But if you're driving while you're tired or something, you don't notice because you're not paying attention. Right. So that so it's a a lot of it's just being aware, being focused and real and paying attention kind of. Yes, absolutely. And hang on real fast. I'm going to reset because chains got dropped from the call. So give me one second. I'm going to reset it here. Okay. Okay. Still didn't have chains. Yeah, we're still waiting on him. Hang on. He should be right back. His phone gives him fits sometimes. Or while we're waiting on him, you were talking about um, being basically being alert to your surroundings. That whole thing of, I mean, you know, we griped about the smartphones, but, you know, talking about people just being outside of their own world enough to notice these things in the first place exactly and part of it's just making people first part of it's just making people aware that there's a problem that's the first step right and then just looking for it and a lot of it is Mm -hmm. you will by nature notice because we're social beings we by nature notice when something is wrong even if we don't know what it is and if you notice something's wrong, then you can then the correct thing is look into it. Pay right. attention. If you if you feel there's something wrong in this relationship, if you feel there's something wrong, pay attention. Right. And that's I'm sure Shane's would use a much more descriptive word for it. Yeah. But <laughs> just just if you notice that there's a problem a lot of it has to do with just being aware enough to notice it and when you notice it look into it 
Yeah. Well, it's that whole, if you see something, say something. I mean, I know exactly. it's cliche, but yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and the reality, again, being just as far as trafficking in the United States, it is going to be your small town victim that you're going to run into much more frequently than you are your major enterprises. I mean, you know, the enterprises exist, but it is going to be that small uh, clandestine group that's operating in your neighborhood or in your city. And, and that they go unnoticed just because of the very fact that people don't know the signs to look for in the first place. So it, yeah, it does go back to that whole thing of people being aware, like you said, um, right. And I know, I get, I guess I'm stalling for chains. Um, well, yeah. uh, on that, um, going into the missing and endangered a little bit, just as how much they affect, um, or, or not affect how much they, um, uh, impression. Um, no, I'm, that's not, that's not the word I'm looking for either. Help me. Uh, the, uh, the, what I'm looking for is how much they, they give you a gauge to measure what kind of things you can be looking for in your community. You know, if right. you've got, yeah. So if you've got like one, one, uh, name that you continually see that pops up as they're missing again. You know, they've run away again. Right. Has anybody you know. seen X? Has been... Right. Exactly. Right. A pattern, looking for patterns of unusual activity, kind of. Yes. Yes. And that's, you know, those, those sorts of things can be invaluable, which is why we push so hard the missing and endangered aspect of human trafficking, just the fact of of their potential victim status. And for us as investigators, looking at that data, looking at that information and being able to say, you know, Hey, we're, we're seeing, we're seeing a, uh, an indicator here of, of trafficking of some, some kind or another. Right. Looking for changes in personality or changes in just how they react. Are they shutting down or, just being able yeah. to gauge and look to see this person is all of a sudden this person you've been with is now starting to be very standoffish with everyone. Right. And just, right. Yeah. I'll, and a lot I'll of hear the ding. Yeah. There and a is. lot of it does have to do with just, <laughs> the, just yes. paying attention. It's what it basically boils down to is pay attention. And if you see something wrong, Look into it, and if it is wrong, say something. Just yeah, get off your butt and do something. Exactly. What constitutes as being wrong. <laughs> we <laughs> we just went through all all of the uh, the deals where hey, a uh, smaller town trafficking scenario. You're going to be looking for signs that are not your average, uh, you know, governmental placard about what to look for. You're going to be looking for a lot more. Uh, domestic issues uh we talk um actually uh shared hopes video of chosen yes that is actually something that kind of shows because that was actually kind of a smaller community type of issue yes um anybody can can get that video and 
and there's also they can go to YouTube and get different excerpts out of it. Yeah, and it it's a uh, I mean it's it's what people use for training. Yeah, uh, it's I mean I'm not saying every everything about it is dead on, but in that scenario it was. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, and and two uh, chains we were talking when we are in those, those smaller communities, just how much the missing and endangered stats wind up being important because they can be indicators of what's going on when you don't have any other investigative leads, you know, someone who's continually running away. Well, you're, you're very correct with that. And, and another thing from the outside looking in when it's this small town thing, when you're investigating something to that aspect, don't trust anybody. Yeah. You know, because nothing has that good old boy thing as, as a small town, you know. These small communities like to protect things, no matter how bad something's going on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But you will see, if, it, if it's something that's that blatant, you know, you will see it. But, but you also... You know, you never know if the high school sweethearts and all of a sudden the, the you know, the one of them gets a habit or something and then, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're selling somebody. Well, abuse, abuse begets abuse. I mean, wherever there's one type, there can often be others. Not, not all the time, but, you know, you're going to, those types of signs, you know, I, I, that's a very good point, James. And that's, I'm really glad you brought that one up because you know, the, the straight A student who suddenly is out smoking marijuana behind the gym, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're being trafficked, but abuse does be, you know, beget abuse. So look into that a little bit more. Don't just berate them for, for a slip up, you know, look, look into it a little bit further, make sure that you're asking the right questions. Well, there's always, you know, everything happens for a reason. Right. And granted, that reason could be peer pressure. I mean, we all know that that happens. We've all done stupid things growing up. But, you know, at the same time, do look into those further than just, you know, just what are you doing? That's very, you know, you're grounded for life, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, so, well, you know, and, and speaking of the small towns, you know, we've, you know, we've found situations where we go into a small town because of somebody that's that's missing Mm -hmm. and you know that person decided to to run away from home right well the reason is as we've found out several several times the reason is because of all the bad the the dirty shit that's going on and behind closed doors Mm -hmm. at home yeah you know so so you know you can't put it past the fact you know, the stepdad's got all of these poker buddies taking turns with the daughter, you know? Right. right. Exactly. So. All right. Well, the next question then from there is uh, how to spot a fake NGO. Um, kind of been down that road, haven't we? Yeah, we, a little bit. Yeah. We just, I guess, uh, like, to, like Talon said, if they're, if they're asking you to help them take action instead of empowering you to take action, that's a good, that's a good indicator that you need to take a second look. 
Um, all right, most needed victim services. <laughs> all of them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, where do you even start with that? Um, I, I mean, I know, I know we talk, and I know from our perspective, victim um, aftercare, uh, specifically... Specifically, safe houses that are actually safe yeah. houses. So, I mean, a rescue is no good unless you've got somewhere you can put the victim. You know, um, well, we we always say that you know the minute the minute anyone helps somebody a victim to a survivor, right? So, you know, why keep victimizing them by not giving? they need right uh, there, there's as you said there's so many houses that just aren't safe uh, whether it be due to commercialism or just not having the foggiest idea what to do yeah yeah and it's it makes it i mean just to put it into perspective guys i mean right now um if i if I were to have a victim that I had right now or a survivor now in my, in my possession, custody, whatever you want to call it, um, in my care, I'll go that. Um, yeah. Uh, you can tell who I work around a lot. Um, the, uh, being able to get them someplace where I would feel comfortable taking them. And, and I'm not talking about a soft rescue. I'm talking about an actual, hard, uh, high risk, not necessarily super high risk, but high, highest risk rescue where I needed them to get somewhere genuinely safe. I would have to do transport or find uh, a transport agent four hours minimum. Um, and, and that's just not, that's not conducive to the, to the survivor. I mean, they're, they're going to be exhausted. They're going to be coming down off of all the adrenaline and emotion, uh, all the bag hitting them you know the very the beginning processes of them trying to regain themselves are going to be kicking in they may be coming down off of who knows what and for us to, to you know for me for the area i work for the closest place that i feel like i can genuinely say yeah you're going to be safe four hours away i mean that's just that's ridiculous and and, and i understand it takes a special kind of person someone with a very special gifting to actually run a, a safe facility. But at the same time, I know of, of one within uh, uh, stone's throw. I mean, a couple hundred, a couple thousand yards from, from where I, from where I'm stationed. And I w- couldn't bring a victim to him. I couldn't bring a survivor to him because there's absolutely no operational security. There is absolutely no thought taken whatsoever to preserving the, the, uh, secrecy of the site. It's, it's a wide, widely known, wide open advertised building. And, and I just can't, I couldn't do it. I, there's no, there's no victim thought there. Well, and, um, and that's a lot of times with us, you know, several times, you know, we've, we knew the safest place we could keep them is with us, you know, yeah. where we bring them into our own homes because it's the safest place they can be for that moment. And people, you have no idea how, as far as operational security goes, how dangerous that is for us to bring a survivor into our home. And that's that's a whole other podcast. We've touched on it before. But when Shane says that, 
understand that it's not like, oh, well, that's the obvious solution. It's not a solution, not for people involved in the investigative and rescue side, not at all. No, yeah, that's really that's a dicey proposition. <laughs> well, and but we have to look at the lesser of the evils too. It's like, well, oh, right. you know, we're willing to to do to break our protocols in order to keep that person safe and and get them that that brief moment where they where they can take that breath and realize that nobody's going to harm them. You know, until we can get, you know, because there has been, there have been times where we've had things fall through, you know, mm-hmm. okay, you know, our transport team is ready to deliver to such and such place. And all of a sudden something goes south. Right. You know, and it's okay. So we have to regroup. It'll take us another, you know, 12, 14, you know, sometimes. And right. It's you do what you have to do to keep that person safe. Right. We don't, right. We, don't, we, we don't pull the issue of, oh, you had a rock in your purse, so we're going to boot you back out on the street. Where we're We will do what we need to for the victim, but it's not – ideally, we need more of the – aftercare because we uh, air quotes can't <laughs> take them in because for various reasons including right. our safety, their safety our continued well, operational safety well, and, right. and you, you'll, you'll also run into a lot of them are just they work them as a, an actual shelter mm-hmm. you know the the person that's that has been sex trafficked a whole different a whole different ball game than somebody that, that lost their job and they're homeless. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a whole different ball game. There, there's the the instances the the mental the the breakdowns are just they're not even they're not even close. You know, yeah. so, so you can't try to just lump everybody and you have the issues where you'll run you'll you'll run into these places that are uh, faith-based which is a great thing that they're faith-based but that that person that just got out of that situation doesn't give a rat's ass about faith at that moment mm-hmm. yeah well and it's the whole thing too I mean we've run into this, this a couple of times it's like okay a human being who has just gone through any form of sexual exploitation, I don't care if it was for one hour or three years, if they come out of that, they're in, they're in a situation where they are questioning why this was allowed to happen to them. And yes, as a, personally, as a believer, I know what the answer is. I know where, where they can receive the help and the healing that they need. But in that moment where I'm, I am that, that agent removing them from the scenario and trying to get them someplace safe. I know the truth, but the truth doesn't always have to be stated immediately. It's not something that I need to tell them right away. It's not necessary at the most. And I know you guys have heard us quote this before, but at the most, what we talk about with them is God did see what happened to you. That's why I'm here. He sent me. 
that's the because bad things happen in this world they're going to happen until it all goes up in flames but in the middle of that there's the mercy that we're here we're doing this this is our passion this is our mission god sent us he did see you he sent us you know and it's not about us it's about the fact that it's the victim again you realize it's the care that that we desire the victim to know that there's value to them not because of us not because we're so great but because somebody bigger than us is orchestrating this and cared enough about you being a victim to send us to you in the first place yes because you're fighting evil every day yeah every every minute of the day you're fighting evil yeah it just it just paints itself differently i mean talent up where you are it's the same beast he just puts on different feathers Exactly. It's yeah. It, and that's what makes it difficult is, is that we want to pretend that it's a different problem, but mm-hmm. in the end, it's all the same problem. But like you were talking when, especially when we're involved, we're involved usually immediately upon the rescue of the victim, the victim is immediately just coming out of this when we get them or we take them out and the victim doesn't need a speech. The victim doesn't, <laughs> that's not what we're there for. Right. Yeah. That doesn't matter. I mean, that's perfect. We don't, our job isn't to make the victim, isn't to solve the victim's problems. Our job is to physically protect the victim. And from my background in uh, emergency medical and firefighting and that kind of stuff, one of the key things is our job is to save the person. It's, it's our whole, the whole mission is, it's similar in many ways, is to get the victim and, or get the patient and keep them alive. And it's not my job to be, ultra nice to the person. I mean, as much as possible, I try, but that's, we're not there to be their support group, but but at the end they do need one. Right. Which causes that's right. Well, and that goes back to the aftercare issue. Right, And that's what we were talking about. You know, and you know, do you, do you recall when we had one organization kept telling us, well, you know, make the phone call ahead of time and tell us that you're bringing in a fruit basket. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah that that was that was when i was surprised that everybody walked away from because you and trooper were you guys had your hackles up oh yeah we yeah we kind of went off a little bit on that one so but you know, but it's that situation there's just not enough out there no matter what yeah they're not enough and and they're trying there are some places that are really really kicking ass and really doing what they need to be doing Mm-hmm. But, but there's also many that are, and I'm going to say it, they're fraudulent as hell. Yeah. You know, I've, I personally went to investigate a safe house that's run by a government agency and I pull up and it wasn't even there. Yeah. So, I remember that. I remember you telling I, me about it, that. It happens a lot, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you know, and the aftercare can be as simple as, you know, as we like to do a lot of times. It's like, you know, you'll, especially when it comes to somebody that was missing and endangered, you know, 
We want to make sure that they're they're taken care of. We want to make sure they're they're able to get cleaned up. We want to make sure they they're they're fed. Yeah, you know, give them some of those staples that they actually need. You know, yeah. and there's just not enough of it out there. Mm. Yeah. No. So basically, the answer to that question is aftercare is what <laughs> the service that we see as the most necessary currently. But that yes. may. But that's so. Part of it is awareness. Awareness is necessary, and awareness everybody can do it, even if you're involved elsewhere, and everybody should do it. But service-wise, aftercare is what we see as a major need. Yes. Yeah, and and in just about every facet again. But I I, I just know that that from I I can't say it is the most needed again, just because, I mean, again, this is our specialty. This is what we see is the rescue stuff. So we've got to have somewhere to put the survivor. Um, But man, just having some, having more decent safe houses, not even, not even long-term ones, you know, Hey, we'll we'll deal with the long-term care later, but just the safe houses that we can get them to where they can get clean, get, get sleep and, and, and wake up the next day with a new lease on life. You know, that's, that's huge, but it does take a very special type of person. And that definitely does take funding. I mean, what we can do, yeah, we can fund ourselves, but running an entire facility where you can keep them cleaned, uh, fed, and safe that does take funding so you know that's that's a whole other animal and and i thank god for those who can do it but it's not me yeah <laughs> yeah but that opens up another can too because sometimes it's not- say that again i said but that's another can because sometimes that funding gets completely misdirected oh no absolutely i mean that's yeah definitely that's a whole other whole well, other animal that one because that's a whole other can <laughs> so anyway yeah all right um next how dangerous are fake victims <laughs> how dangerous are fake victims yeah they they take away from the ones that really need it yeah that's that's the worst action there is as far as i'm concerned well and you know you say that, but I I'm thinking with all of the uh, kangaroo court that's going on in D.C. over these last couple of days. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I think it's interesting the way that this individual worded this. How dangerous? Because what is the fastest way to wreck someone's career or their reputation? Well, it's just saying the right words. But specifically sexual sexual abuse allegations. I mean, you can sink someone faster with those than you could. I mean, I <laughs> that or murder, you know? Yeah. And and I mean I mean how many times and, and I know we I know we use that phrase how many times, but there's a lot where we've been approached by someone who was a fake victim. You know, they could say the right words. They had some decent story, but you look into them a little bit. And next thing you know, they're actually wanting to uh, get a free place to stay or they're trying to escape a debt that they incurred. Um, They don't want to have to pay rent. Uh, You know, there's a whole list of things all the way up to uh, character assassination. You know, you want you want somebody to pay because you got mad at them. 
And so suddenly, you know, oh, they're, they're a rapist or they, they, they trafficked me or whatever. It happens you know? all the time. Yeah, much more often than we'd like to admit. And this is, this is another very important aspect of, of why we're not just a rescue organization. We're also investigative. And you'll see that the investigative comes first because we're not going to go and give any type of credence to a person who is being completely, totally disrespectful to the real victims out there by trying to play the victim to get something for themselves. To me, that's, that's about as low as the secondhand pimping and the, and the fake NGOs. So, yeah, 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 it it does. I mean, you're right. And like I said, to me, it, it takes the effort you know, the effort that could have been applied to actually saving somebody that needed it, you know, to helping somebody, to give them that helping hand when they need it. Right. You know, that fraudulent person is, is taking that away. And, well, it, and, and, and in trafficking, especially, you only have a small window most of the time. There is a very, very tiny window that you get yeah. to work. Yep. When somebody pulls you away from that, you know, all they're doing is, and, and then it's, it's that crying wolf, you know, and then right. when you get so much, then all of a sudden, you know, you get the, the field teams, the investigative teams that are sitting there and they get a little gun shy. It's well, okay. Is this real? Is this not, you know? Right. Right. And I know, I remember the one night um, I was with you chains, you went off on that one because this was the third time um, the third time that she had found herself in a situation and in, upon investigation, she wasn't in a human trafficking situation. And you went through and you listed about the man hours and the people who had to be woken up at this time of night to get a bed ready for her and the gas money that was going to be put out. And you just went down the list and said all of this – all of this that you're taking away could have gone towards a real individual who's out there being raped tonight. And you had, you had a lot more yeah, choice. The, well, I was just going to say that was a very, that was a light description of exactly what you said, but I was paraphrasing. Right. And one of the main problems is the dangers of fake victims is that, because of how understaffed and how how small the number of people who are actually working in the human trafficking area is, is that we're stretched thin as it is, and every boy who cries wolf is exponentially worse because it stretches the very limited resources of those that are fighting the fight. Even right. worse than normal. Right. Well, we know of one NGO that they uh, they kept handing this this person. They they gave her a place to stay. Kept handing her money. It just just kept. And, and all she was doing was milking them. I mean, milking them. You know. And then she went right back to because she was she was a professional sex worker. Mm-hmm. You know, and she had them completely snowballed that she was truly a victim of, of trafficking. And and she just took completely a complete advantage of how naive this NGO was. Yeah. 
<laughs> and she hustled him big time. We tallied it up. I don't remember what it was about a, a, approximately how much in aftercare services she had received monetarily, and it was it was several thousand dollars. So, you know, and you think about that, you think about how much, you know, five, ten bucks to get a to get a meal for a victim for a night, a survivor. So you think about how much that took away from, you know, X number of victims that could have gotten a shower, a place to stay for the night and a, a hot meal. So, yeah, exactly like what you were talking about, Talon. Um all right, um, we're going on about an hour and 30, so you guys want to blitz through these last few? Whatever you want to do. All sure. Right, we'll, we'll try and – that way we don't drag it on too much longer. But um, places that, that victims can turn to besides law enforcement. Um, this, this question, I believe it has to do with the fear of – uh, not being taken seriously, the fear of it being mishandled, where you're actually exposed to your abuser, your trafficker, and then also the fact that the system winds up prosecuting victims. Um, our last podcast we did, um, I talked about the Vicator Law. Um, honestly, I, I would say that places that a victim could turn to would be other NGOs. Again, it's, it's that whole thing of a victim's taking a chance regardless of who they reach out to. Um, they're taking that chance of being caught in the situation getting worse. Um, but Well, you have to remember certain NGOs do nothing but work with law enforcement. Right. And certain ones don't it's victim services first. Yeah, exactly. And they'll protect the victim. You know, uh, certain NGOs are willing to go to jail to protect that victim. You know, to make sure they become that survivor and they don't get traumatized anymore. You know, yeah, they'll deal with all of that. They'll deal with all the all the liability um, But like I said, others, the first phone call goes out to law enforcement. And they know when they show up. Right. Right. Exactly. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I got distracted. Talent, are you, are you putting together a gun? Uh, that was a noise. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I thought I recognized the, the lock. Something pop. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Sorry. I got distracted there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> I'm what we do when we're bored. I'm doing. I'm doing stuff with my hands while my brain is busy elsewhere. There Leave me go. alone. <laughs> there you go. Um, but I guess <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, that was my bad. Um, anyway, um, the uh, victims. There's actually quite a few advocacy groups out there as well um, that deal specifically as representatives for them as a, in a paralegal status. And I would say that's like second best. If you can't, if a victim can't find an organization that is willing to, 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 I don't want to necessarily say bypass, but go straight for getting the victim out of the trafficking situation instead of waiting around for law enforcement to move. 
Um, if they can find a victim advocacy program run by like a, a legal team, that would probably be the second best that they could go for. Most real NGOs have those connections. Yes. Yes, they do. Yes. I mean, I know, I know we do probably several of them as yeah, and I, I, mean, and I'm saying, I can't itemize them. Not the, not the rainbow and butterfly brigade. Right. Right. NGOs have enough connections to get the things done. Yeah. And there, there are, there are a lot more of that type of NGO out there than even rescue or aftercare. Um, that victim advocacy service. Um, so those are some good ones for them to turn to um, as far as that goes. Um, and, and the, the questioner did, did put out there that one of the reasons that the reason she asked was uh, many of the crimes are being swept under the rug. Um, reality is that as far as the victims concerned, the victim's primary concern should be their own safety and their own health and healing first. Um, yes, we want to see the perpetrator put away. Yes, we want to see traffickers taken down, taken off the street. Um, I think I speak for all of us when we wouldn't mind if uh, lynch mobs came back for these types of individuals. <laughs> but, you know, as I'm all four people swinging from a tree. So. Yeah, you know, hey, six six foot of hemp in a tree branch, and you're good to go. Um, you know, ultimately that should be, but that's not the world we live in right now. Um, so, as far as the system goes, what I would say to any victim or survivor who's listening to this or ever does listen to this is. Focus on yourself. I know that can be selfish, and, and I'll caveat that because I know you're thinking it chains. If you can help someone else get out, do that. But as far as you having a vendetta or a uh, desire to get back at your trafficker or to prosecute them and see them burn, don't focus on that because you will be disappointed by the system every time. The system is not there as a way to bring justice, it's just there to enforce law. And there is a difference between justice and law. Um, yes. Say that again. I, t- I walked on top of you. I said, and we have seen that so many times. We have, we have, and it's not, it's not something that I'm encouraging. It's not something that I'm happy about or in any way satisfied with. It's just the sad reality of the system that we have in this country don't expect to be vindicated. Focus instead on getting yourself healed and, and, and taking back your own life. Everything, you know, there will be justice in the end. But for now, turn to wherever you can get help for you. Don't worry about the prosecution. Let, let that be taken care of down the line or or by the system once you get healed up because it's just, it's, it's not worth it. It's really not worth it. Right. So everything will happen in due time. Yeah. Focus yeah. on the victim. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's, that's ultimately guys. That's why we, we pound that so much. I mean, you'll hear it from every one of us, Talon trooper chains, myself, anyone that we ever have on here on these podcasts who's willing to speak uh, for the Crusader Foundation as part of the Crusader Foundation, it's about the victim. 
yes, yes, there can be outrage and everything else at those who perpetrate such things. But as far as our niche, as far as our crusade, we are here for the victim. We are here to turn them into survivors. So, uh, anyway, I got long-winded. Yeah. So what's the next question? Uh, Most best and most effective ways to spread awareness without exploiting anyone and maybe tactics that aren't used often but should be. Uh... What kind of tactics? Yeah, yeah. We talk. Uh, she's talking about awareness tactics. Um, no, tell... she's not talking about black ops. Come there on. you go. Uh, <laughs> I was, yeah, I was gonna say if we're gonna go there, we know right away that that's information we don't give out to the public. But uh, <laughs> um, called rednecks the other day on that. Box, yeah, on we that were. One. That that cracked me up. I I, I got a kick out of that. Um, Those kind of tactics. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, Any- yeah, Talon, you wanna you wanna open up with that one? I guess, like we were talking about before, one of the keys is just awareness is a big thing, and just situational awareness, getting materials and knowing what to look for, and just not even like we were saying, it's not always going to be what's on those lists, but just paying attention and looking for something that's off. And Mm -hmm. a lot of it has to do with spreading the word that this is a problem and then telling people, keep your eyes open and look for this because we tend not to notice things that haven't been pointed out to us before. (laughs) I don't know how many times, I don't know if you've ever gone bird watching with somebody, probably not, but if you ever go out with somebody who's a bird watcher, all of a sudden, they notice all these different types of birds. I don't. I just know, oh, look, it's a bird. I don't <laughs> recognize that that's a finch and that's a mocking jay or whatever. I, because why? I don't notice because I don't know what to – I'm not paying attention to birds. It's not my thing. <laughs> right. Right. So a lot of it has to do with just look for it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. to be overly simplistic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, w- with the awareness itself, um, that is probably one of the most well-covered bases as far as human counter-human trafficking goes right now. I mean, what can you say, Chains? That's probably hammered the most anyway. What's that? The awareness aspect of counter-human trafficking. I mean, everybody's, everybody's raising awareness about, about it these days. I mean, whether they really are or aren't, that's just what is said. Well, and it's easy to do. Yeah, it is. It is. Anybody can do that part of it. Well, there's no risk. There's no risk to raising awareness. Well, yeah, there is. Sometimes people are afraid of making a fool out of themselves. Okay. Well, that's, that's risk to the egos. So, (laughs) but, um, I think part of what this individual was, was wondering is, you know, everybody's standard, standard tier one operating procedure for awareness is the internet. Um, everybody talks about sharing, you know, posts, whatever it may be, uh, hashtag and things. Um, and they call that raising awareness. Um, 
what are some ways, I, I think what she's asking is what are some ways that awareness can be raised and that attention can be brought to human trafficking that aren't really used and, and maybe they should be? I think that's what she was asking. Um, talk to your groups about it. Talk to your church. Talk to your youth group. Your I don't know. Just talk about it. <laughs> Point out that, guess what? This is a thing where we live. Because everybody thinks it's a thing somewhere else. Everybody thinks it's something that happens in New York City, LA, and Chicago. Everybody right. thinks it's something that happens down on the border. Everybody thinks it's something that happens in some shady dock somewhere. Yeah. But Tech talking to groups that you are a part of and saying, look out because human trafficking is in the middle of us. Right. Yeah. It's be that guy at the party. Yeah. Right. Right. That other killjoy who, oh, by the way, there's probably somebody in this room or somebody we know who is being trafficked <laughs> at this moment. Statistics are there's night. a predator. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like I said, good for instance, I was at a motorcycle rally one time. And um, I was actually, uh, I was vending at a motorcycle rally. And uh, one of the gals that was working for, for me at the time, uh, we ran out of things to talk about. And th that was our conversation. And it went on for hours after that. Huh. Yep. And uh, honestly, as far as, as tactics, I, I think it's – I'm, I'm humored that she used the word tactics. I'm actually kind of impressed. But anyway, uh, for awareness. But um, tactics, as far as awareness go, I mean, is there – I can't think of many better than the Red Sand Project. No, that, that really brings a lot. It really does. And, and a lot of people don't have a, have a clue – it was just like the, the shine light on slavery issues. You know? Yeah. Uh, so I mean, you're 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 right. The Red Sand Project. And for those of you who don't know, the Red Sand Project. Um, it's it's very very simple. You get a little baggie of red sand. Um, you can Google the Red Sand Project. It'll take you right to the website. And I don't know they. In the beginning, they were uh, doing the packets for free. Um, I think now there's a cost for the baggie plus a little pamphlet. Um, it's not overly expensive, but I mean, even just you, you can go to the go to your local store and get some red crafting sand. Um, but what they would do is they would take red sand and then some chalk, some sidewalk chalk, and uh, go to like your your park uh, sidewalk on a street and fill in the cracks with this red sand um, and then put a couple of hashtags uh, down around with the chalk about, you know, other places, websites and so on to look for uh, information on counter human trafficking. And the idea was you're remembering all of those who fell through the cracks, um, bringing awareness to the victims that are, are never found um, or still in, in uh, human slavery today. And really, that's it's. I'm just solidly impressed with the idea. I mean, it's simple, it's it's subtle, and yet at the same time, it's impossible to miss. Um, you can do it anywhere. Um, 
and it's you know it's economical you can just take an afternoon and go out and do a do a city square and you know you're not damaging any property it's all going to be washed away with the next rain so you don't really have any issues there typically um but you know you can get businesses in on it um and and it's one of those ways to tie action into an internet platform because you go out and you do this and then you can take photos of it and post it online <clears throat> and it helps to spread that spread that awareness message so i mean honestly i i can't uh, can if talent or chains if you guys can think of a better idea or, or a good idea in that same vein i i don't i can't think of one that really matches it as far as that goes I, that actually completely slipped my mind until you brought it up. Yeah. Well, and I know, yeah. I know we've done it a couple times, uh, individually and then as an org a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, we've teamed up with other organizations and done it too. Yep. What were you going to say, Talon? No, I was just saying, yeah, that's a good one because it, is effective and visual and it actually gets you out there doing something. Cause that's hopefully one of the things that I was hoping we could touch on for like five minutes at the end is just doing something. <laughs> <laughs> Stop theorizing, go. <laughs> right. Because we do a lot of talking about organizations and statistics and people and the fact that this is a problem, but in the end, it needs to boil down to what can I put this podcast, stop listening to this podcast when it's over. What can I do? What, where do I go from here? So yeah, I was hoping we could, you know, just really quick bite size something at the end for all those who need something to do. Well, a lot of people turn it off and say, I never want to listen to those assholes. Yeah, <laughs> there we do have that. So <laughs> Well, well, Talon, we have one question left, and then I'll turn that over to you, and you can, you can lead that charge. How about that? Okay. All right. Um, last question for this evening. There's again, like I said, there are more um, some spinoffs that Chains came up with that I really want to go into at a later date. So we may have to do another one of these next week. But um, last question is shedding some light on the many assumptions people have about human trafficking victims and survivors. And that is a massive subject there. Um, because assumptions can, can cover so much. And she gave us three categories to have assumptions about, um, James, you want to lead with that? Well, do you think that maybe we ought to, uh, I, I'm thinking so. I'm thinking there's just, there's too much there. That way we can give it the dignity it needs. Yeah. Cause, cause that is a, that is a really, really deep and very good question. Um, so yeah, yeah, put I a think, pin in that. We'll t- we'll th- we'll hit that one later. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's a good idea. I think we'll, we'll, we'll put that one on hold all that matters because like I said that that's something yeah yeah I mean that'll that, that'll easily be an hour so we open our mouths and it's an hour so <laughs> just that one moment you know yeah yeah 
Um, all right. So Talon to you for your, for your, for your spit. Okay. So basically my spit, as he called it. Yeah. Is, a mix between a spiel and a bit. Exactly. Is where do we go from here? Because we've just listened to 45 minutes of questioning of us trying to answer questions. And we sometimes go on about this. And we talk about orgs that are all bad. And we talk about, you have to do your own homework and you have to boil it down to what can I do? What in the next 15 minutes, I'm, I just finished listening to this podcast. What can I do to help? Where can I go from here? Because we're all about getting involved, getting off your butt and doing something. But what is that? What are some things that I can get up and do right now? What can I do this week? And yep. you just mentioned the Red Sand Project, which is a great one because it's not labor intensive, and but it's very succinct and makes a big impression. Yes. It's very high impact for what it is. It doesn't take a whole lot of effort. So for the people that are, you know, and I'll say it for the people that are lazy and want the easy way out and still say they wanted to do something. Or even people who are just getting started in this. I just picked up this podcast. I listened to it for the first time. I'm all hyped about doing something about human trafficking. This gives me something so I can actually take the first step in the race. Yes. Well, people need to research. That's the very first thing. You know, if they're done listening to this, just start doing some research. You know, there's plenty of it out there. Pick up a book about trafficking and read it. I mean, there, there's hundreds of ways out there. Okay, what's a good book? What's a good book? for people to go and order from Amazon for just getting, knowing more about this. What's a good book? Just one book or two books? There's several. There's one called Renting. I think we just lost him again. I think we did again. You want to finish his work? You want to finish his statement for him? Yeah. Well, I'm let me, let me see if I can get him back real fast and we'll go from there. Okay. All right. 
I got Talon. Yep. All right, we're waiting on him. Um, I can go ahead and just list a couple of books. I don't know. He may he may repeat me. Yeah. Um. The uh, there's the Pimp's Bible. There's Pimpology. Those two kind of into the mindset of uh, trafficker. Um, how they use that manipulation and that control on people. It'll help you to be able to recognize signs um, of both a trafficker who's trying to blend in and use the, the emotional and psychological control and also to help you recognize victims. Um, there's the, for those who have the stomach for it, um, I will not say this is a must read, but if you're going to get in, in serious, it is a must read. Um, the Franklin scandal, that is one that needs to be read because that was a, it, not the birthplace of human trafficking in the United States by a long shot, but it was a moment where the extent of it and the, uh, magnitude of its reach was revealed to the public, um, and the lengths that were taken to try and hide that information. Um, you know, think of it like, uh, deep sea creatures uh one of them you know that they're down there you know there's a lot of them but one surface is just long enough for you to make observations on it before it goes back into hiding uh dives below the depths again right um there are resources available as far as reading material from the homeland security's blue campaign um homeland has really stepped up to the plate in in uh terms of combating human trafficking they have a lot of great material that they've put together um, by collaborating with other uh, groups and other agencies that have been involved in this for much longer than they. Um, and they are willing to use all that information. There you are. Yeah, yeah, blah, 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 blah. All right. I, was just, I just gave a few recommendations of books. Give yours. Uh, maybe, you'll, maybe you'll repeat me, maybe not. I already did. You already no, did. you cut off right when you were about to say the first title of the book. Oh, yep. well, you have Renning Lacey. Okay. Um, I didn't say that one. There's Good. one that deals with more of the satanic side of things. Uh, that It's called Rabbit Hole. It's kind of a really mm. dirty one. Uh, but it gets into a lot of the real dark, dark things that go on. Yeah. Um, like I said, I mean, there's there's such a list of them. Uh, there's a lot of investigative books out there. Uh, there's, uh, there's actually one called the investigator's guide that shows a lot of what goes on. Uh, you yes. Can go to, you can go to, uh, oh, it's uh, shared hope has a lot of information um, that you can get. Um, actually, you can go to home homeland and go to the blue campaign and they have a lot of what they call little uh what they call them uh uh, uh coffee table yes camp. they have a lot of those that that actually deals with how to recognize or you know if you're an ngo if you're if you're you know uh, uh, if you're law enforcement things like that they have all of this literature that is out there yep and uh, yeah and again, if you know privately, if people want to message us or on the page or whatever else, uh, we'll be happy to provide you guys a more exhaustive list of, of the materials that that we use and recommend as far as reading goes. Um, 
Right. So we got what can, so on the subject of what can I do, we can today, you can go and you can look up the blue campaign. Once you finish with this, look up on Homeland, you can order some of these books that they recommended. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can do the red sand, go look it up, get some red sand, go out, do it in your local park or in your local downtown. Just Mm -hmm. uh, one more thing. What, What's one one other thing that people should do? Well, as far as volunteer work, I mean, we're we're so adamant about you being involved. Um, we can give you a couple names of some organizations that are very well, we're um, very well structured and very well uh, set up in terms of they've been doing this a while. Um, Okay, so a couple of orgs that we can look into volunteer with, volunteering yes. with. Yep. Um, for your for your awareness and your, in a way, victim advocacy. It's not solid victim advocacy, but there's the Center for Search and Investigations or CFSI. You can go on there, take about 10, 15 minutes, sign up, become an advocate. Um, just the one thing I'm going to say is that if you do sign up to be an advocate, realize that you're going to, it's ongoing. It's not at will. Um, they're going to, they're going to assign you to their blast teams to put out information on missing and endangered. Um, you know, if if you do that, have the respect for the, for that organization to stay involved. If it's not something you can do, then, then don't just hang around, um, back out and, and go on your way. Um, you've got your, uh, shared hope international. They've got their advocacy uh, group that you can become a part of just part of their awareness. I'm not entirely sure what all they offer as far as actions that can be taken, but I know that they've got a very broad range of, uh, of ways that they, that they go out and do community involvement. Um, you've got uh, the national center for missing and endangered children or NECMEC as it's called. Um, they have a couple of volunteer capacities that you can that you can partake in um polaris which is a which is a national uh phone bank where all they do is take reports of human trafficking human trafficking tips and then they pass it on to organizations they have volunteer status where you could volunteer to be part of their phone bank um uh, there is a vetting process that you will have to go through to be able to do that but that is also a possibility um, Chains, you want to pick it up? Oh, I'm thinking. <laughs> you know, another thing you can do is, you know, the internet activity of uh, watch some of the sites that your kids are getting on. Yeah. You know, uh, most of these, there's, there's something shady behind them. Yeah, like uh, Flickr or uh, yeah, that we Tumblr. actually have a and we actually need to update that list because there's so many yeah. now that that have it, it's just multiplied the list we have is multiplied yeah you already said about the National Center for Ex- Sexual Exploitation correct uh, the NECMEC the National Center for Missing and Endangered okay and then, is that what uh, yeah I said them um, there's I guess if you if you believe that you have the see um, there's there's 
two, maybe three, I'll let chains make the call in the third. Um, organizations that are out there that will let you kind of get your hands dirty as far as, as investigations and stuff go. There is much more extreme vetting process for that. And of course, one of them is us. Um, we always are looking for volunteers, but understand that we don't just take everyone. Um, there is, there is a process you, you, uh, can ask if you ever have a chance to talk to any of our newbies or our, our initiates, um, they will tell you that the vetting process and the training process is very long and very, it can be confusing and it can be just, it's different. It's, it's nothing like you've ever experienced as far as our training, just because <laughs> Talon's laughing. Um, <laughs> just as far as, because we have a very specific uh, goal in mind. When you come to us, we are trying to get you to a very specific place where we can use you for a very specific and a very dangerous task. So there's a, uh, you know, there's not, I, I can say this, there aren't a lot who make it all the way through, uh, especially for our investigative team. Awareness team, yeah, we, we accept people for our awareness group. Um, that's, that's pretty low key. But if you want to move into any of the investigations and rescues, that's a whole other animal. Um, and uh, yeah, just, just I throw that out there because if any of you have dreams of glory of like, yeah, I want to be part of the investigative team, just know that there's a lot of work that goes into before we ever clear you to do anything. Um, because it's, it's the victim's safety's at stake and your safety's at stake. There's just a lot to it without going too deep because that, that, that would be a two, three-hour seminar right there on that alone. Um, but then also there's the Defender Foundation um solid group of guys they do the rescues um and they are in in several of the states i think they've got about 50 percent coverage as far as the united states goes yeah yeah and overseas and overseas yeah so and i know that they are taking volunteers um they they also have a vetting process that they require for you to go through before they clear you for any action with any of their shield teams or uh, they've got a new designator for a team, for a new team type, and I don't, I don't remember what that's called, but um, it's their overseas clandestine units. Um, so those are the two, and I'll let you decide if you want to say the third or not. That does kind of the same thing. Well, I mean, it's kind of low-key right now. So. Yeah, okay. All right, well, we'll, we'll leave it go then. Um, but those, those are some orgs that, that – you know, from awareness to from light awareness to heavy awareness. Um, and then, oh, also um, the Set Me Free Project. Oh, yes, yes, definitely. And and the thing that really works great about them is they they try to teach it before, it, you know, get it. Their idea is to stop it before it even starts. Yes. You know, so they're they're in schools, you know, places like that, trying to teach people to not be victims. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we, we interviewed Stephanie from them, uh, the founder, and she's a lovely lady. Uh, you guys reach out to the set me free project. They're always looking for volunteers. Um, their needs will probably vary based on, on what they need because they go for quality over quantity. Um, but they're another great organization to be able to, uh, plug and to be able to, um, yeah, just, just be a part of if, if awareness and actually preventative awareness is your thing. Um, 
So I think that's, you know, that's yeah, go ahead. Well, I try to tell people, you know, before you really dive into the, into the meat and potatoes part of trafficking, you, you need to, to deal more with, like I said, the missing and endangered because, yeah. and the reason we say that is because within, within roughly, you know, 48 to 72 hours, someone that's missing is it's going to happen. They're, they're going to have to survive. They'll, they'll be, you know, that situation will come to them, you know, to where, and, you know, they call it survival sex is how it starts. You know, they have to do what they have to do to live. Um, Or they'll get hooked up with one of their friends and end up at the wrong party. And, and it's just a huge downward spiral. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's the best way to actually get your feet wet with with fighting trafficking. Yeah. Yep. And, and we, I don't think we go into it quite as much as we could. Um, just because again, it's not our primary focus, but chains is a hundred percent, right. That missing and endangered is so foundational. And I hate to use that word, but it is foundational to human trafficking because those people who do run away, they want, they're vulnerable. The minute they leave those, their, their normal social settings, they become highly vulnerable and human traffickers prey on the vulnerable. Um, well, so, remember we, remember we had a state attorney telling us about, well, you know, they're just throwaways anyway. Yeah. <laughs> what they matter. You know? Talon's laughing because he knows what Shane's reaction was. <laughs> Yeah, that went over really well. Oh, son, that yeah. Was, yeah. You know, so, I mean, if you really think about it, if it was your child that was missing, would you want somebody that's running a state task force to sit there and say, oh, your kid's just a, you know, he's a problem child, um, he's a throw. Yeah. Yep. You know, well, you know, you look at it that way, and if that kid hears, for some reason, your child would hear, Oh, I'm considered a throwaway. The next person that gives him gives him or her attention has got him. Yep. And and you realize that again, traffickers uh, feed off of that. And what's more is that that kind of an attitude infiltrates law enforcement agencies, which are many times the first ones to hear of a missing and endangered. And so, you know, maybe they've seen the same name come across their desk, and they just kind of roll their eyes and say, "Oh, it's a him again." Uh, do your job and realize that there's a reason that they keep running and that the, their odds for coming back unscathed or unmolested go down exponentially every time they do run away. And, and that's why we stress the issue that if you, you know, that's, that's a good way to get your feet wet in the, in fighting human trafficking. Yep. Right. Yeah, so that's good. I, we're, it's good for just a closing bit, just to, <laughs> so we have something to give, to look at, to have like a smaller section where we can just look at it, and even re-listen to this later. What can I do? You can get involved with one of these organizations. You can order one of these books. You can even go online and look up some of these websites that they these guys have talked about. And yep. Just get involved and do and, something and- about it. And that is something we will do 
we will put a, a, a pretty concise list together of a lot of these type of organizations because yeah. sometimes, you know, once you get smacked in the face with the darkness that is human trafficking, so you're, people aren't, some people aren't wired for it. So they have yeah. to step back. They still want to act. They still want to help. But if, if you're not wired, you're not wired. Yeah. And there's no shame in that. None. Yep. So, well, any, okay, well, any closing thoughts from y'all before I close this out? Uh, just get involved. <laughs> Do something. <laughs> T- Talon's, Talon's new t-shirt mantra. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not going to, I mean, that's the same thing you're going to hear from us. You know, it, it's, it's just that. So. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, gentlemen, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your evenings to go through with these questions. And again, appreciate those of you who took your time and asked them of us. I hope this was informative. Again, if you have additional questions or whatever else, feel free to uh, message us. We will be more than happy to hear from you and more than happy to respond and help you any way we can. Um, if there's something they need us to research, like I said, just like that, if they want us to put a, a you know, a list together yeah. of different things, you know, a list of books, a list of websites, things like that, just holler. You yeah. Know? Yes. That's what we're here for. That's yeah, that's guys, that's part of our directive is this is when we say that we take well, when Chains says that we take up all lanes, it's literally because this is our passion. This is what we do. I mean, we're researching, we're 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 doing, to quote Talon, every every hour of every day. I mean and and that can sometimes for some of us include even when we're sleeping. So <laughs> but um yeah. Boy, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Any yeah, the longer you listen to us, people are like, they're cults. I swear. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh man. Um, but anyway, all that to say, you guys know, you guys know it. I'm gonna say it again. There are sheep, there are sheep dogs, and there are wolves, and it's time for you to pick a side, and just get out and do it.